0: so, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey,
1: Phil. How are you?
0: Well, I am super fantastic. How are you, my friend?
1: Man, I am doing great, doing great. Uh, Happy Monday. We're... we got another week uh, yeah, going. We are, and I we're sort of uh, kicking off a uh, new week with by finishing up uh, uh, last week's series, aren't we? So, yeah, you know how Robert's Rules of Order—you got old business, new business,
0: all that kind of thing,
1: right? <laughs> Except for more interesting than that, we hope.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Depending on what groups you, you participate in, I bet this is more interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We've got we've got uh, some really interesting topics tonight. We're going to talk about the 360 degrees selfie. We're going to talk about hot solar cells, and we're going to talk about gene therapy 2.0. These are all breakthrough technologies from. MIT Technology Review's list of 10 breakthrough technologies for 2017. Last week we did the first four on the list and we're going to do three tonight. And we're going to do three again on Wednesday of this week finishing out finishing out that series. So uh, it's it's been an interesting list so far. The the technologies as you can tell just by listing those three are Kind of all over the map, but that's that's par for the course for the MIT Technology Review list. I think that's probably one of the things they focus on is to try to get a good mix of
1: varieties of technological breakthroughs. Don't you think? Oh yeah, oh yeah. They, yeah, you know, uh, for for sake of having an interesting uh, issue, right? But uh, but but and uh, it makes for a, a really cool thing for us to go through. I mean, we it's fun you know, every because of, this, yeah, every because of the variety. It, it, also,
0: it's always fun because it's like, well, we talked about that one. We talked about that one. Well, we've done five shows on that one. You know. um, but, but actually, <laughs> the most up. fun are the ones, that, the ones that we hadn't done, right? The, when you right. hit one, you go, hey, this is new for us. For example, the 360-degree yes. selfie. We've not talked about this. We've never
1: in, mentioned this one before,
0: yeah. Exactly. Inexpensive cameras that make spherical images are opening up a new era in photography and changing the way people share stories. Now, one of the things that's really interesting about this is that the spherical camera, of course, is important for virtual reality applications. You have to have it, you know, if you're, if you're going to yeah. create a VR, a visual VR environment out of reality, right? Not a computer program, then you need a camera that's going that's omnidirectional is, is actually right. the, uh, the term I would use, you know, that's, that's going to, that's going to show you every possible direction that that a person can look, and these cameras are important for that. But one of the things that I thought was really interesting was they list a number of also uh, of other applications in addition to that that people are accessing these spherical photographs, these these 360 degree selfies for reasons other than VR, uh, just just because it's become kind of an interesting way of accessing. Media and I, I don't know. Have you have you tried any of that on Facebook or other places where it comes up? It's like, hey, you can scroll around. You can see.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, in my board gaming hobby, I, I watch um, a uh, YouTuber uh, that uh, you know reviews board games. Uh, his name's Tom Vassell. Uh, Dice Tower is, is his deal. And uh, one thing one things he likes to do is when he goes to the conventions, he uh, he gets one of these 360 degree cameras and walks around the convention center. Mm-hmm. and uh and so what you do is you, you know you can get on there and you can kind of you just if if you're not interested in what you're seeing over in this direction you look over there and uh you know i I found myself uh watching some of those videos two and three times because obviously you can depending on which direction you were looking with it uh you're picking up different stuff as you're as he's walking around the convention center with it so you can kind of get right. an idea of what it's like to, uh, you know, that particular convention or whatever is like. And so, you know, it's particularly cool for stuff like that. And uh, Well, um, one of the most interesting things about photography has always been
0: this ability for the camera to capture something the photographer doesn't see. Right. And someone else can look at the photo later and say, you didn't even notice, but this is going on back here, right? And the photographer's like, yeah, I I had no idea that was going on. With a 360-degree camera, by definition – you're capturing things that the photographer can't see, right? I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah, you <can't>, cannot <laughs> possibly know all the stuff right. that uh, he's picking up, and so yeah, it's and uh, it's it's pretty cool. I, I'm going to tell you uh, when I was a kid, Phil. I'm talking like maybe 12 years old. Um, the predecessor technology I had a little um, um, had a little of experience with that, and that was uh, at Walt Disney World. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you go into it, this theater, and uh, you know. Um, you're standing instead of sitting so that you can and you can look all around because there'd be, there were screens, there were, there were projectors pointing, you know, between the screens, there'd be a a projector pointing at the opposite side of the room. So it would hit the screen on the opposite side of the room. And uh, you know, it showed a series of vignettes, right. Of uh, uh, riding in a truck uh, through the Serengeti with uh, surrounded by, you know, antelopes and giraffes and things like that. And you, you know, and you could, you know, be looking in this direction, and see giraffes or, or look over here and see other things that are running alongside the truck, that kind of thing. And, um, it was, that was an interesting, uh, experience. And of course, you know, the way they did that is they had eight cameras. Sure. Mounted, mounted, uh, in a, in a, in a uh, you know, looking out from a you know, center point. Right. And, uh, then they projected eight different, eight different things. And so uh, you can imagine how, uh, uh, bulky and uh, prohibitive, that would be to do it, um, you know, except for, you know, something special like that, right? And, I, I've uh, been to
0: that attraction, by the way. I was there, too, at Walt Disney World. <laughs> okay,
1: that's cool. Uh, that's cool. I was uh, older than uh, 12, did you but, you, you know,
0: yeah. uh, okay. probably, probably about the same time you were 12. I It would have been, like, the early 90s, so, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> not... not not you getting into you know our different age different difference stuff. or any of that kind of stuff, but uh, yeah, <laughs> anyway, I, it would have yeah. been like 92, 93 when I went, I think probably. When did you go? Okay, what year? Yeah.
1: Um, it it would have been earlier than that. It would have oh, been. Okay. Um, it would probably been 82, 83. Oh, probably okay. Probably full decade, yeah. Probably full decade. Yeah,
0: I, I, I may have I may have caught it at the end of its run. We were kind of at the, the
1: beginning. Yeah. Yeah. They were
0: just interesting historical note. They were definitely getting towards the end of the carousel of progress i remember that going to because i would heard about that when i was a kid like back in the 60s and i couldn't wait to go see the carousel of progress and it was just the most dated sad thing that i had ever seen in my life and and they had tried to update it but they but they couldn't quite so it's interesting the shelf
1: life of disney attractions but we digress
0: it was cool right, right? because you're on the horses yeah. Do you remember
1: that was that part of what you saw this yeah, you're riding yeah, horses that, exactly that was it, i'm sure it was the same thing uh yeah and, and yeah and yeah uh, you know, again, I think there was like a vignette when they were out on the ocean, stuff like that. Yep. It was all very cool, all very yeah, cool. and, uh,
0: and amazing because you've never seen anything like that. And they really did put you in a space, and you could look all the way around and see everything that there was to see in that in, in that in that panorama. But. Kind of a one-off, right? It was something right. you could only do at, say, Disney World.
1: That that was that was the That's extent right. of the, the technology. That, and cool. now they're talking all, about all of the all the money and effort that went into filming all those vignettes probably was shown in one theater in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably <laughs> that one. Probably that <laughs> one. And uh, maybe they had it also at Disneyland. I don't know, but yeah. it was, uh it was uh, it, it, like you say, one-off and uh, and and fascinating, but uh, limited to that. And uh, and and not likely to be repeated uh, ever again for anybody. So now that we, spherical yeah. cameras represent a percent of worldwide consumer camera shipments,
0: and people are getting more and more facile, more and more used to the idea of hooking up a VR headset to their to their cameras. So I mean, people really are creating not just it's it's really not just a photograph anymore. It's a shared space, particularly if, if you if you experience it through a VR headset, you've really created a space and you're sharing that space with somebody else. It's uh, it, Although you're not necessarily in that space with them at the same time. I don't, I don't mean to jump ahead and say it's that. But you've created a space and somebody else gets to be in that space, right? It's, it, it's, it's a big step up from I've sh- captured an image and I'm, I'm sharing an image with you. And they expect this to grow. It's just a 4% uh, yeah. this year. So this is this is going to be big. This you know I I feel like I'm really falling behind on this. I need to get
1: one of these cameras or at least get a headset. Yeah, I, I don't I don't have one either, Phil, and I'm uh, I'm kind of with you on this. But uh, you know I think it's particular things, special event kind of things. I don't, I don't know that you'd pull this out for everything, but uh, it, it talks about uh, pulling on a VR headset and attending a, a wedding virtually, or just <laughs> uh, reliving it. Right. I mean, right. Right. Uh, that's uh, I, I can see that being used a lot. You know, I the, you know, we uh, uh, had you know our, our generation had wedding videos, and that that helps you experience you know, uh you know experience it in one sense. But this is a whole this is a whole new level, yeah. of being able to reexperience some something, and and like in if you're and watching it for the fourth or fifth time, you, you can often you will be seeing things. That you didn 't see uh, any other time, you know because you're again you're looking in a different direction and so yeah, just that, that you had no to...
0: idea what was going on, expressions right. on people's faces and things they're doing, and it, it just you know all the things you didn 't have time to notice or you couldn't possibly right. have noticed because you can only look in one direction at, at one time, suddenly the whole the whole event is accessible to you in a way that it's, that it's currently not, and it really does become kind of a kind of a space I think that, that, that probably this, as much as games, just this ability to experience things like this is going to hasten the popularity of VR. I, I can really see this becoming yeah. kind of a, a major factor in, in, in VR becoming even more mainstream than it's, than it's already becoming.
1: Absolutely. I agree completely. This Interesting This is going to be a big part of VR, I think.
0: All right. How about, uh, how about this next story? Hot solar cells. By converting heat to focused beams of light, a new solar device could create cheap and continuous power. This is uh, th- this is really interesting because they're turning sunlight to heat, then they convert it back into light, but focused only within the spectrum that solar cells can use. So it's, it's pulling wow. a trick where you're getting two for the price of one. Typically, solar cells are absorbing a certain spectrum of the overall solar radiation,
1: but a lot of it's just... Not, and not it get tends anywhere. to be it tends to be rather narrow you know yeah um yeah um, maybe even more narrow than our vi- visible spectrum um it it's just it, and 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 so you know you, that's why uh these these uh, things are said to be so inefficient you know you if you're if you're uh, uh, approaching what what is uh what, is, what are the best solar cells without this sort of cheat uh they're still less than twenty percent right right that's
0: um, right yeah
1: and, uh, but, uh, with this, this, this helps, uh, uh, you know, there's this idea that perhaps they can, they can, uh, double the efficiency. Um, you know, that, um, that would be amazing, Phil. This, th- you know, we talk about the solar singularity, the point at which, uh, solar out, you know, outperforms, uh dollar wise, you know, other met- every other method of getting electricity. And, uh, this is exactly the sort of thing we're talking about. This is what makes it happen. So, um, exciting! Absolutely.
0: I think I, part of what's interesting to me about this is capturing heat is interesting in its own right because you can. We're getting better and better at storing heat, and so one of the things you could potentially do is you take that heat and you turn it into electricity later, when right. when the sun's not down. You know, the sun's not up anymore. When you when you don't have access to uh, to, to any light anymore. So one one of the things that I saw in the comments on this one was people saying, "Well, why not just take the heat and turn a turbine, right, and, and make electricity that way. And I think you can. There's, there's no argument against doing any of those kinds of things. What's great here is just the elegance of having it all in one solar panel. The, right. the, the, whole, the whole ability to capture that light – excuse me, capture that heat, turn it into the right kind of light, and capture that much more energy – is something that can be used in combination with any other variety you can imagine, saving the heat for later, taking the heat and turning it into mechanical energy and turning that mechanical energy into electricity. Those are all good options. And there's no reason why you can't do any of those things, but there's something just darn nifty about this. There's something very like, I don't know, so efficient about it, right? About grabbing the rest of the, grabbing the rest of the light spectrum that we couldn't, that that we couldn't get before. It, It feels like, I don't know it's a very economical use of sunlight um to uh to do this and if they if they really can double up then this is going to be a huge
1: step forward oh in yeah in imagine something as low tech as a thermos bottle you know uh you you're storing the heat in some sort of uh uh li- liquid form right uh, Right. Mm-hmm. In, in in some sort of liquid medium uh in inside of uh, some sort of vacuum container and uh then being being able to access that uh, at night as you said right. that's uh that's uh, that's amazing, and um, um, you know, and, and then to be able to, uh, to during the daytime be able to use it uh, to uh, to get uh you know so much more be more, so much more efficient, um and and not lose that uh, energy that would have been lost otherwise. Um, because yeah, and it's that huge that
0: space. this moves you in the direction of continuous solar power. Continuous right. solar power is almost a an oxymoron because nobody gets continuous sunlight, right? There's parts of the Earth where you get it for like a few months, continuous sunlight, but then you get continuous dark for part of the year. But for most parts of the Earth, you get a certain amount of dark and a certain amount of light every day. And it varies depending on the seasons. But at best, you're you're never going to get more than, what, about 14, 15 hours of light in a day. And if you get that much, that means you're going to have a much shorter day coming up somewhere later in the year. So there's always going to be... Prolonged periods of dark in any realistic solar deployment, and how do you keep the energy flowing? Well, there's lots of good ways to do it. If you're using uh, if you're using solar to supplement something else, if you've got a nuclear reactor or you're burning some coal or whatever, however else you're generating that power using some other some some other renewable source, whatever it is, you're always looking to supplement the solar with something else, but here you have the potential for getting everything you need out of the sun potentially, and right. it seems to me that this might be as important a factor in reaching that solar singularity that Ray Kurzweil talks about as the cost parity with with fuel right this is probably as right. a, as big a factor because this is the complaint people other than the cost this is the this is Actually, before even the cost, this is probably the number one complaint about solar power, right? That right. it's it's only going to work when the sun shines, um, and and this this begins to address that in a, in a pretty serious way, I think, too.
1: And and batteries are and batteries tend to be expensive and have limited shelf life. But if you're just storing heat in some low tech manner, like you know almost a thermos bottle, then uh, you know you're you're cutting the uh, the cost of of uh, power storage. Uh, Significantly, I've got to imagine. You know, I've got to think uh, that that's uh, that's going to be a a uh, a cheaper way to go about it than uh, than you know even even lithium ion batteries. It's got to be it's got to be a a cheaper way to store energy. So, anyway, I I look forward to them continuing to develop that. That's this is being done at uh, MIT, correct? So,
0: oh well, there you go. See, so no no wonder it made it into into the MIT. Review. Oh, that's right. But, they're but they're, they're say availability. Ten,
1: that's being done on campus. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right. They didn't have to go far to get this story. 10 to 15 yeah. years, they're saying, uh, yeah. is, the, is the time frame for this. And I, I would just say add to this one five or six others because over that period of time, over the next decade and a half – I think we're going to see so much progress with solar power, and it will be because of a lot of incremental improvements like this. I mean, this is a big incremental improvement yeah. if you're if you're getting twice the efficiency, but that's also being achieved in a lot of other different ways too. So, this is a, this is a very exciting time to be tracking solar power. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't tell people what to invest in, but if I could say one word to you, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Not plastics. Solar. Not plastics. Solar. It's power. Not plastics. Okay. No, it's solar. okay. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, so that takes us to our third story here, Gene Therapy 2.0. Scientists have solved fundamental problems that were holding back cures for rare hereditary disorders. Next, we'll see if the same approach can take on cancer, heart disease, and other common illnesses. This is a, this is a fantastic story. This begins with talking about these, I, I, I don't know, I guess it's these kind of glamorous one-off wins in gene therapy that you're able to achieve when you've got a single gene causing the problem. If, right, right. If there is one gene, one identifiable gene causing a disease, am, am I overstating this? That should be curable now for anything, right? I mean, that, that's, that should be something we can prevent at this point. Yeah. And, if you can uh,
1: isolate it, it, right? It, it, it uh, notes in the story uh, one particular uh, uh, young child who, uh, who had SCID, um, mm-hmm. that uh it, you know basically it's kind of the bubble boy syndrome or one of one of the many right. that just completely destroys uh, the immune system um and um and, and and these children aren't expected to live long i mean they uh they typically uh there's some something comes along that takes them early because it's that it's you know they have no ability to fight anything and um and so the, this this particular child got this uh uh gene therapy and uh and you know, like you say um just a a success story there and um you know i'm thinking also of uh, other diseases like sickle cell anemia you know that's one gene that that is uh, haywire and that causes that disease and uh you know if somebody's diagnosed with that um gene therapy that's the way that you know things like that uh, diseases like that as you say Phil should be uh should should be a thing of the past already but hey uh we we uh you know, it's, it's sort of faster, please. You know, well, on, the
0: handwriting you know. is on the wall for them now,
1: based on based exactly. on the success they're having exactly. with these others. Because in the right.
0: past, even to even to treat one of these single gene diseases, gene therapy was really unreliable because of the the kind of crude, clumsy way that we had to go about trying to get genes to interact with each other. It was it was not effective, and and in the earliest days, the, the story talks about there You know, there was just law of unintended consequences. You go in and and the, the little virus makes something happen, but it made it happen just slightly differently than they expected. And, you know, it kills the patient rather than, rather than saving their life. Obviously it was tragic Or, you know,
1: it, or it cures the disease, but gives the patient ca- cancer, you know. Yeah, uh, exactly. All, yeah. all kinds of, uh, all kinds of things can go haywire. But if we get good with the, with our vectors, the things that deliver uh, th- this therapy, then, uh, you know, and, and and we we obviously have these uh, the the gene that's the problem identified, and so uh, if we can get the fix uh, delivered properly without screwing something else up, then uh, like I say, the, these single uh, gene problems, Huntington's disease, uh, uh, you know, um, sickle cell, uh, SCID, all these things can uh, you know uh, are, are an easy fix. Now it gets a little more difficult when we start talking about uh, uh, genetic diseases that uh, involve the interaction of a number of things that have gone wrong, right? Right. But, right. Uh, but uh, you know we cross the, we cross those bridges later. Uh, yeah. Let's let's, let's, get, let's, to, get, let's get, get rid, rid of all the
0: single part. gene diseases first. It's a great start, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah, so there you are. Uh, and uh, and then and then we can start we can start working on the more complicated ones and and the more complicated ones they list cancer, heart disease, other common illnesses because we know that. Although there are other factors contributing to most of these really prominent killers, <laughs> um, when, when you talk about cancer and heart disease and the, those those kind of diabetes, w- we know that there's more going on than just genes. There is a genetic component for many varieties of cancer, for most kinds of heart disease, for a predisposition towards diabetes. Right. So the the fact is, if we can address these single gene diseases and get good at it, then you know we're ready to play a more complex game and that might yeah. that might come down to wiping out one gene and also putting in a different one that makes someone more resilient, more resistant to something right that, that That's when you yeah. start looking at the kind of the, the the combination of not falling prey to one thing and also being stronger in the face of in the face of something else that that will be a much more complex you know, something to play. like high
1: blood pressure. Imagine somebody yeah. has high blood pressure and, and they say, well, you have, uh, you have this gene that makes it predisposes you to high blood pressure. Uh, and then they give you the therapy for it and your blood pressure comes down, but it's still marginally high. Did they fail? No, they didn't fail. They, you know, they dealt with one reason you've got high blood pressure, but maybe not, not all the reasons you have blood, right. high blood pressure. So, exactly. um, and so, you know, I, I can see that there's going to be uh, there's going to be things that are miraculous, and uh, people are 100% cured. That uh, as as we get into this stuff, and then there's going to be other stuff that, uh, well, it went from something that was life threatening to something that's now manageable, and but still a problem. There's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of things like that that happen. And so, um rate, anyway, we you know, like you say, we let's let's get rid of the uh, let's get the low hanging fruit first and uh then we can we can play the more difficult games later right
0: just so. just dealing with this this one example given this scid the, the the story they tell what what happened as the parents look for a way to keep their child alive they're sanitizing their house it says they got rid of the cat they sprayed every surface with lysol they boiled the twins toys in hot water the dad would strap on a surgical mask when he came home from work and even doing all that they knew it was just a matter of time right yeah. That something was going to get to him sooner or later, and it, one of the things that's interesting is the dad had put no stock in this whatsoever. He he was apparently very skeptical about this, and he didn't he didn't think this was going to do much of anything, and, and but
1: when it's your child, you want to try. Yeah. Every, you, of you course, know, you know, you you're going to try. try you're going
0: to yeah. You would try yeah. anything, and under those circumstances, for sure. And it cured him. You know, it's not like they 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 went home and and now they have to just boil the toy sometimes or something like that. You know, this child is going to have an immune system just like his twin, you know, with yeah. normal. I mean, that's, what a beautiful word that is after you've, after you've faced down a future like like they were looking at with that, with that disease. And you multiply that story by hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of times, because there are a lot of these little rare one-gene one, one gene diseases. And just uh, I, I read this story and I see an awful lot of hope for a lot of people and it's right. an extremely encouraging thing. It's I don't know. This could be my favorite of all the uh of all the uh, top 10 breakthrough technologies so far.
1: Although yeah, so I, I don't far, know that
0: one about helping people walk again was pretty good too, I guess.
1: <laughs> that was great too, yeah. So <laughs> I'm you, kind you of a sucker a
0: for those, you know. <laughs>
1: well, you know, it's uh, uh these things some of these things are just flat miraculous, you know. Yeah. For the for the families that have uh that are, you know, are struggling with with the, with these sorts of diseases, or our paralysis, as we were talking about last week. Um, you know, when when uh, a solution is is you know comes about, this 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 uh, you know life changing. It's just nothing short of a miracle for these people. So, um, awesome. Stuff. Yeah, you, you awesome. know whether you believe in miracles or not. Relatively
0: speaking, these are miracles. For, you know, for that's, the, right. For, that's right. That's for, right. For the folks who encounter him. Well, look, that's going to do it. That's going to do it for this round. We're going to pick this up with the final three. We're going to talk about the Cell Atlas, the Botnet of Things, and Reinforcement Learning on Wednesday's show. And I, I've got a prediction to make about that, Stephen. I think it's going to be amazing.
1: That's
0: amazing.
1: <laughs> well, a Wednesday is our Wednesday's amazing show. night, so that sounds that sounds awesome. Let's uh, let's just plan it's, on it being amazing.
0: It's a safe bet. All right. Well, listen, great talking with you. It's great having you all with us. We look forward to being with you again on Wednesday's show and until next time live to see it